Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Mentor. We talk to all kinds of businesses on this show, but for the most part, we focused on businesses aimed at people. But this week, we're talking about man's best friend, their pets. That's it, their pets. Our guests are the founders of Raw and Fresh Pet Food. Now, this is a company delivering fresh meat to animal owners around Sydney, right up to Newcastle and down to Wollongong. Now delivering more than two tonnes of orders per week. That's a lot of meat. The health benefits of fresh food for pets is huge and they're growing very quickly, even now starting to franchise to spread right up and down the east coast of Australia. I'm keen to find out how businesses like this got started and how ideas for successful businesses come from just about anywhere. So let's get into it. Adam Guest, Scott Botham, Williams Kid, and Holly Cabarus. Is yes. that right, Cabarus? Yep. Welcome to The Mentor. How are you going, guys? We're good, thank you. And I love it. Uh, so uh, Scott's got his T-shirt on. It says "Raw and Fresh." Mm-hmm. Uh, so is Adam, yeah, and so have you. Raw yeah. and Fresh. Good start. It's a bloody good start. <laughs> so tell me about. It. I mean, I, I'm actually sort of intrigued. Are you first and foremost? Are you pet lovers? Is that your game, or is that how it all started? Yes, yes, uh, very much so. Pet lovers. Um, it all kind of started or came about because Scott and I were fostering and rescuing dogs. Um, that's how it basically came about. Massive. Massive dog lovers. Well, like when, when you say you're rescuing, rescuing dogs, how, how do you mean? So um, from no-kill or, or kill shelters, I should say, um, basically where pets are A abandoned. kill shelter? What the hell is that? Well, basically pounds. Um, so where dogs and cats are abandoned by their owners yeah. um, and then they're left in an impound period, basically, and then they're adoptable to the public. Sometimes they can stay there for months or even years. Um, and then in kill shelters... Um, they have a, a time limit, and then once they reach that time limit, then they are euthanized. Euthanized, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so you, 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 you two guys, Holly and Scott, are sort of bleeding hearts, like softies. Yes, very, very much. Yeah? So. She's the bleeding heart. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, are you guys like boyfriend girlfriend, or you're related, yeah. or mates, or what's the yeah. deal? Husband, wife, two kids. Oh, okay, cool. Five yes. dogs, yeah. Ah, yeah. Two kids, five dogs. Love yes. it. Yeah. Okay. So, so you two guys uh, first sort of got involved in pets. Um, mm-hmm. Not only do you have them in your family, but you actually went and rescued a whole lot of dogs or or cats or whatever it is. Yep. They were about to be nailed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's have you always sort of as kids did you think about this sort of stuff, or is it just something new in your mind? Um. Uh, it was just something that I always was passionate about, but I suppose as we got older and, you know, options opened up to do such things and then there's rescue groups that we discovered, which is who we initially started doing it through. So there's actual organisations, um, not-for-profit groups and things like that, that do go and physically take the dogs themselves and then they foster them out. So they have foster families that take care of them until they can adopt them to a, a potential family, basically. So... so- then how did you two guys get involved with Adam? I, um, By the way, Scott is not even both and son. No, yeah. I'm just mucking around there. I, um, so, we, so when we started rescuing dogs, we realised that uh, poor nutrition was a common theme across it all. Um, we realised that the biscuits and the food that we were getting wasn't helping them with nutrition. Um, they were still you – know, Dog not, biscuits. Dog biscuits and things like that. I had mates um, used to eat those. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, so, yeah, so then we, then we realised that, you know, we needed to look into a better diet for these dogs and cats and that's when Holly started doing the research. 
um, and we sort of started a little bit of a kitchen business. Uh, Adam came in um, about a year into it. He was in the tactical police force and wanted a life change, and we got chatting about it. He, he's a he's so a I went cop. to school with Scott. So right. we went to school on the so Central Coast. Right. Yep. Yep. And then we've basically been mates since school and been in touch ever since. So why did you sort of come over and join these guys in there? Sort um, of? Like was, it's a big change of career. Yeah, it is. It's one one extreme to the other, so to speak, and not knowing anything about business or, you know, dog food or anything in general. But I just thought of it as an idea. It sounded amazing and I thought it had real potential. And I was at the time where I just wanted a new challenge, basically, and I thought this is it. And I thought, you know, this could be something really special. So... We just jump straight into it. I, I, I want to just explore for a second because, you know, often people say to me, you know, I'm, I've got a job and I hate my job and, uh, you know, I'm, but I've got this really great idea and I want to do this great idea and, but I'm, you know, I'm a bit nervous about leaving my job to, to pursue a career in this area because I'm, you know, like I'm, it's sort of, I don't have confidence about how I'm going to go about it. Will it make me enough money? What was the thing, Adam, that got you to leave, you know, a good career in the cops, um, you know, you're well-trained and, you know, they look after those guys. Yep. What was it, what was the moment where you thought, no, that's it, I'm moving, I'm going to go and join? Well, yeah, well, it was a bit of a balancing act and that obviously came down to financial as the business was starting and every cent was going back into the business. And I guess I was fortunate enough that I'd been in the police force for about 10 years and I'd built up some good long service leave. So I basically decided to take that as half pay um, and then that gave me about a six-month window. And I thought, I've got basically six months and sat down with the wife and the family and said, look, I want to really give this a go. And we obviously need to pull the reins in through the household. We've still got a pretty big mortgage. And just thought, you know, we're going to give this everything. And um, Your lender is not listening, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Lenders don't listen not. to this show. Yeah. Borrowers do. But um, yeah, we're we, um, yeah, scraping through and uh, we just put everything to it. I just believed that much that it's going to work out and we're going to be all right. Okay, let me unpack that a little bit. So if, you know, people listening to the show, they're often thinking about this sort of cream of... So what I just got out of it is, is you know, you've got to make a decision. You've got to do it. That's the first thing. The second thing is you've got to make sure of a few things. You've got to make sure you've still got some cash flow. So what Adam did is he took long service leave with half pay. Correct. So yep. in other words, he used um, his accumulated efforts like that he'd been doing over a number of years to get the long service leave um, to actually build some cash flow so he could pay off his, um, you know, the non-discretionary expenses, the mortgages, the food for the kids, all that sort of stuff. Correct. He also trimmed down his costs. But he still kept that revenue coming in. Then he pursued his new career. Yep. Which is with uh, Scott and Holly. That's correct. Yeah? Yep. And so that that's a big deal because I mean it sounds simple. It might sound simple to you, but there are a lot of people out there who are always analysing this, and sometimes they overanalyze it. Yep. It's a pretty simple outcome. Yep. Have some cash flow. Chase it. Chase a new deal. Exactly right. Yep. And and how long ago was that? Um, so that was November 2015. I think I made the plunge for that. Um, so I started with a month or two still working and just trying to have my days where we could, you know, Holly and I manufacturing the food and doing the deliveries. So what do you do in the business? That's that's so, interesting because what, what's yeah, your so role? Yeah, so I basically now handle <clears throat> all of our manufacturing and logistics. So, so manufacturing still, means, what so does we, that mean? Tell me now. Yeah, so we make all the dog food ourselves still. and we, All of us still are hands-on making the actual dog food. Um, so that basically comes in. What's that mean? They're, not, they're cutting it up. Yeah, so it all comes in. So we're basically doing about two tonne a week. So we get fresh veg in, fresh offal, chicken, beef, kangaroo, all from local supplies on the Central Coast in Sydney. And then basically we put it through minces, package it all up into individual serving sizes and pack it into boxes and then we used to do all the deliveries ourselves so we couldn't have any more hours in the day to do that and now we've got a courier company doing the deliveries for us. So, I mean, and I'll come back to the logistics or the the last mile or the fulfilment piece, that's yep. important. Um, uh, um, I, I just want to know, find out what everybody's doing now. So you're you're actually in charge of manufacturing, but that means you've got, it's hands-on. Correct. You're, you're yep. involved in the deal. Yep. So you two guys, what are you going doing now? Holly, what do you, which part do you, what's your role? We still do help with manufacturing and obviously helping Adam down um, in the, you know in the factory, so to speak. Um, but I probably more so manage sales, customers, customer maintenance, um, social media, um, finance. Yeah, finance, kind of just both a lot. of you. Yeah, Holly probably more than me. I do uh, more of the business development. I came from business development uh, in a civil business, so I do a bit of that. Well, civil um, works, you mean? Yeah, civil. Yep. Yeah, so. I was doing the business development for them. So I'm doing that and um, rolling out our franchise model at the moment, which Holly spent the last 12 months working on. 
and I'm um, executing that now. Business development, for those people listening, what we're talking about business development means um, actually expanding the business. It's yep. sort of related to sales yep. in some yep. respects. Um, mm. Sort of so making sure that um, uh, there are, in your case, you're talking about franchisees. So the franchisees will make the sales, but you're going to build out the franchisee system. Yeah, yeah. And I've also worked on like sort of major clients. Like um, we've got a deal with Meals on Wheels where we supply um, pet food to the to the needy and the elderly as well. So I work to with, their dogs. Yeah, yeah. to their <laughs> dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. So, <laughs> yeah, so we were able to do a program with that and they were able to get some government funding, which is good. But then, yeah, major clients like... Um, Kennels, um, boarding facilities, breeders, things like that. Right. So th- that's so your so your role. So you split the business up. Yep. yep. Supply chain. Yep. Which is effectively Adam. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the other side, origination or trying to find the people who are going to buy my my gear, my product. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's you. Yep. That's Scott. And then Holly, you're in the you're in the middle of it. You're looking after the finances. Mm-hmm. You're looking after the social media, which is actually building awareness. That's your marketing program. Mm-hmm. And what else? Uh, well, customer maintenance is a massive part of retention. My job. Yeah, mm. retention. Okay, yeah. so you know, and so what we're talking about is typical same deal for every business. How do I get a customer? How do I retain the customer? Because they're the, I don't want. I'd rather retain a customer than try and spend money on a new customer if I'm losing customer. You've yeah, got to exactly get right. a good again new customer, retain the customer, and make sure I deliver to them and mm-hmm. keep building awareness around the product. Mm-hmm. So. You're, you're doing exactly what every good business does and what's interesting here is you're broken up into three parts, mm-hmm. three, three individuals, I should say, um, and uh, it's obviously delivering, um, del- it's obviously delivering um, um, rewards because you're doing two tonnes of water. That sounds like a lot to me, two tonnes of orders a week. Mm. Yeah, it is a lot. It's yeah. a lot to produce. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we all get in together and still manufacture the food. So we sort of do our, our other tasks on the Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And then we all get into production on Tuesday and Thursday, so we're still Which hands means on. You actually in the factory? Yeah, we're all, all in the facility, producing, packaging, getting it ready for the delivery drivers the next day. So, so I'm trying to imagine this, but like, like you got a big apron on or something like that, and yeah, like apron, yeah. white yeah. jumpers. <laughs> it looks like a butcher. So we actually, when we started, no, 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 it sounds like a meth lab with blood all over <laughs> it. It looks yeah. a bit like. Well, that. someone actually commented about that once upon a time when we had it at our property in uh, Bensville. And the next door neighbours thought it was something from Breaking Bad. No, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. so I'm what thinking Breaking uh, Bad. I'm thinking, Mr. Yeah. White, where is he? Yeah, what's going well, on here? Which one of you is Mr. White? So we, we actually work <laughs> I already got a feeling it's, yeah. it's you, Scott. Yeah, you're Mr. White. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll get so you that. So we actually w- work out of a 40-foot reefer con- container. So yep. it was very hard to get our food licensed um, under the New South Wales Food Authority. So instead of having a big purpose-built plant, we bought a 40-foot reefer container, which is half-fridge, half commercial kitchen. So we actually work out of that. That allowed us to get all our licenses and sign off. So we're a, a licensed pet food manufacturer. So that that's where the Breaking Bad thing came because we had this container on a property and they said, what are you doing in that container? In that? <laughs> and Adam's stepfather, whose property was on, he, was a, he worked for a Baxter Pharmaceutical Company. So it was just a natural thing that they thought he was doing yeah. Breaking Bad there. And of course, Adam's an ex-tactical response group yeah, guy. So yeah. like he's it was he's the guy, team. he's turned, he's gone bad. That's it. Yeah, he Head knows all the tricks. Now. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, it's pretty cool. Actually, when I think about it, uh, so but I, I want like how many people got working for you within the business, or are you just still doing it all yourself? Just the three of us, and we have got one employee who works um, three days a week for us. So you must have some machinery then that does all this stuff. We have, and we've recently just got a new filling machine, which has been amazing. So basically, when you mince the meat, you put the meat into. But the you top got a mincer. Yeah, yeah, we've you got a mincer. Sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we've got yeah. a, basically a sixty kilo mincer. Yeah. That gets filled up, then that goes into our hopper. Which is our like it's called a Hantman filling machine, yeah. And that basically, um, with vacuum pressure, spits out the meat into um, all different portion sizes, basically to one percent either way into packaging. Yep. So, it, for instance, that is so fast now we can fill like a five kilo bag in under eight seconds. It's amazing. Yeah. Right. So, so okay. So I got it. Now you're reaching capacity. Mm. I mean, your own personal capacity. The three of you, of yep. course. So you know you can what 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 what's your capacity? Is it more than two tons a week? Is it four tons a week? No, nah, individually probably As with it, the three of us yeah. and using the hours we've got, we can probably get closer to probably the fifteen ton. Yeah, we're, since we bought the new machinery, we're making about four hundred kilos an hour. Yeah, it's about um, right. so you know four hundred kilos an hour. Yeah, yep. so using like a morning and afternoon shift, we could probably get yeah closer to the ten fifteen ton with what we've got in the three of us. Um, but there's more machinery we can buy to speed it up again, which we are looking at purchasing at the moment. Okay, so at what point 
do you say, okay, we're at capacity from now on, we're, we're, we're just going to continue doing our own capacity and we're going to take everything we've learned here and the, and the best machinery and the best processes and I, I presume somebody's stepping all the processes out and you're, you know, you're, you're manualising it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're got a, you know, an online manual or a, a physical manual, I guess. It's sort of saying, you know, you put it in here first and that goes for three seconds and then that machine goes. So you're actually drawing a map of the whole process, yeah. the architecture of, of the process? Yeah, mm-hmm. we have. So we've designed our own, we call it like our OMS, which is our order management system. So it's the second one. We've, we actually broke the first one. There was too many orders coming through and it just went, this is too much. So we've built our second one. And that basically when all the orders come into the website, that then all gets passed into the order management system. That breaks down every single order and then gives our total quantities for how much we need to order for meat. Um, so you can say, you know, order a thousand kilos of chicken and, you know, a couple of hundred kilos of beef. And then for packaging, it will break it all down again. So we'll say, right, I want you to make 43, 250 gram of this chicken um, product, for instance. And we'll just keep going down the list till we, um, till we knock it all out. And that can be as big as we need. So we always have the right amounts. And then, so there's no wastage. You'll reduce your wastage. Correct. Yeah, we have. <coughs> I guess end, meat too. You can store it for a little bit. I mean, it's pet food. You I can. Think. Yeah, but in all honesty, we have very little. Like I would say, maybe a handful at the end of the day, and that's only wastage, from washing yeah. washing out the the machines and cleaning up. Right. So it sounds to me very much like you you've got the business ready to be um, franchised. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know, like so we actually we've set up the franchising, but it's more like sales and distribution franchise. So people will buy a territory or an area. Yep, and postcodes, they will do this. So, yeah, postcodes. So, like, our our area is going to be thirty thousand registered pets. Um, yeah, by pet. So you're going to mm-hmm. dogs and cats. So, yeah, so you're going to do your own analysis where the hotspots are. So yep. you can do hotspot analysis. Yep. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Where, where's that data? Well, it's really hard data to get. We've even had some um, some government bodies try and help us get the registered pet data, but it's, vets. Yeah, the, it's just really hard to get. It's owned by um, Office of Local Government, and they don't want to give it up for well, us. Soon you learn it because well, they think that we're going to use it for marketing, so it's been we'll really hard to get. Yeah, <laughs> but um, what we've done is after a long time trying to work it out, we decided that thirty thousand pets was a reasonable area, so a big pool for them to to get into. So that's where the so that'll be a territory, and then they'll go out in those postcodes, and they'll. So let's say own. okay, I'm going to hold you. You're going to sell me a franchise because obviously you're going to ask someone to pay your franchise, or yep. pay, alternatively pay a royalty, yep. or give you a percentage of their yep. their sales. Is thirty thousand fifteen tons a week, or is that five tons a week? What is it? Oh, oh, worked into tons. Yeah. So at the yeah. moment we're doing like 150 to 200 deliveries a week, um, which is about the two two and a half ton. Um, so yeah, it, it really depends, but that's not going to worry them tonnage wise, I guess, because they're only doing the deliveries and the sales. But oh, you're going to you're going to we're, we're always yeah. going to be the manufacturer, right? Okay, yeah. always. Okay. And so we're only we're selling sales and distribution franchises. Okay, right. And and we'll be able to um, so service like the whole east coast yeah, mm. of Australia, like a hub. Yeah. So you you'll manufacture in your factory wherever that yep. is, mm-hmm. the central coast. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then you somehow get it up to Coffs Harbour? Yeah, so we can overnight freight it um, to most areas, uh, especially to the major cities, and then um, the franchisees will then go and collect the food, package it into the boxes with ice packs and and go and home deliver deliver it. Right, okay, okay, very good. And uh, so I want to go now to you, Holly, Mm -hmm. so now I understand the the process. Um, How will you you assist the franchisees in their marketing? So what's your marketing plan, social? Uh, so marketing plan, we have a company um, that does help us, a local Central Coast company that helps us with um, marketing. We've actually really only kind of dipped our toe in the pool of marketing, so to speak, probably in the last three months or so. Um, that's when we got this company on board. Before that, we were just kind of, you know, um, winging it, I suppose, <laughs> you know, through social media and kind of... You know, a crack. Just, yeah, basically. We didn't, you know, we don't have any um, background in marketing or anything like that. Um, but in regards to franchises, um, they'll have the opportunity to obviously meet without the marketing company that we use. Um, and then we can uniform all of the marketing if they wish to um, obviously employ that marketing company as well. But more than that, you know, we're just, I'll be giving them. I suppose, a handbook of how we did it over the last two and a half years, what I did, social media marketing, because it's, it's pretty basic stuff, um, especially if they're only targeting a very localised area, which they will be. Um, so I'm happy to obviously work with them on that. That, that will be my job as they come I, I, on. The reason I say, asked you that, <clears throat> excuse me, is because let's say I'm a franchisee mm-hmm. and I'm paying you for the distribution rights mm-hmm. yeah, for Coffs Harbour yes. or that area. Um, 
I might be expecting you to do an, a, an East or New South Wales marketing campaign mm. and that every single um, inquiry you get online or however you get the inquiry for Coffs Harbour, you're going to flick over to me. So yes, so it'll automatically fall within their territory. Their, their territory, right. So, we so will you'll, always, send it, you'll send it to – how are you going to send it to me as, as a Coffs Harbour It automatically goes into your territory. So um, within the OMS system, when you get a franchisee that comes on, they have, say, you know, 2000 and 2001 as their two postcodes, for example. So they will have their own individual OMS system so they can log on at any time and see what orders have come in in their territory, how much that equates to them, um, you know, all those But if you do the marketing campaign – yeah. How are you going to? Ma- what I'm Did, trying to work out is how are you going to manage your, your leads. So yeah. So what we, I'm worried about is the franchisee blows them. So you spend well, money. we don't we don't particularly get leads as such. So our our online marketing generally just converts to sales. Mm. Um, that we get very little inquiry. People see the ad, they go on our website and they start sort of filtering through until they work out what we do and they can order and then they purchase. So right, okay, so a franchisee. Okay. So we will always take all the orders, mm. uh, and then a franchisee will invoice us for their share of the of the sales, and then we pay them. So in the way of sales. Collect like, the money. Yep. So we collect all the money. Okay. So you're then, the transactor. Yep. And yep. then, then, then uh, the franchisee somehow can see. So on that OMS system, they could, they've got their own pool. They log in, and it always shows you know sales for the week, their share of the yeah, sales, okay. their delivery fees. And they got to invoice you, and they invoice us at the, <clears> end, at the end of the week, right. and we pay them. So the sales and marketing they'll be doing is more like what we did at the start, like mm. getting out there, going to markets, uh, yeah. going to dog parks with your shirt on. Um, all that sort of really basic stuff we did at the start, which we had great success with. And when we were doing that, our bi- biggest success was word of mouth. Like we'd have five deliveries in one street because they'd tell their neighbour yeah, and, yeah. and that's how it grew. <clears throat> that's what you want. The, the online marketing is really good, but you, you spend a lot of money and it's sort of spread out everywhere. No, we, we'll continue doing that marketing every week because we have such great success doing it, um, even when we have franchisees on. So as those customers come in, they will just drop into those postcodes organically mm. and then they can go out and do their own marketing. You know, we've got collateral like flyers and things like that that they can access. Um, and But, you know, they might want to do something a bit different that we haven't done. That's up to them. And are you going to, you're going to manage them? Are you going to sort of say, look, if you're going to put something out that's going to represent... With this business, we want to be able to see what it is you're saying. Because yeah. imagine if they put a, a kangaroo with his neck hanging off and they yeah. say, we sell kangaroo meat or something. Yeah. I mean, you want to make sure that these yeah. – you, you, so you've got to be able to – We've vet. got a marketing style guide that they've <clears throat> got to stay stay with <clears throat> um, that we had made by our marketing company. That way, um, yeah, they're not misusing our brand or <clears throat> changing our green to pink or something like that. Yeah, yeah. which, by the way, that sort of stuff happens. Yeah. So the management of the franchisees is going to be whose responsibility? Mine. Aha. Uh-huh. So mm. It's a hard one, you know that, don't you, Holmes? Mm. Yeah. Because you know, it's, you know, you've got, just a couple of tips. You've got to be mm. careful. Is that franchisees, um, you know, they can turn on you if yes. things aren't good. Yeah. And but under the franchise legislation, that's tough legislation. So you've mm. got to adhere to legislation. You, mm. There's a lot of very strict rules yeah. around it. You are responsible. You will be responsible. The franchisor will be responsible for the employees of the franchisee being paid properly. Mm. Yep. New rules coming in because yep. that's because of all the stuff that's gone on and with all these uh, food retailers where they've been underpaying people at, you know, the Seven Elevens and all that sort of stuff. Mm. That's that's new legislation coming through. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so there is a lot of so you need to get yourself a good franchise advisor. I yeah, think. we we have a franchise consultant that I've been working with over the last year or so, um, who's basically helped us get it up off the ground. She's very up to date, obviously, with all of the franchising code, um, and she's actually got her own. She's just started her own separate little franchise so she's very up to date very current with everything um but yeah so we'll be working with her compliance is important you'd license yeah. Haven't you? yeah yeah so you need to build compliance around your business over time you mm-hmm. need to go and do like little audits on people make sure mm. you know it's all very well to mm-hmm. have them in a contract say so you can't do this but you've got to go and check they can't do it because you have a supervisory um um obligation to make sure that the use of your license by these people um your name and your license, your brand, mm-hmm. um, is being complied with in accordance with the contract. So, because mm. you can't ever say, "Well, yeah, they, you know, they were using us," but we didn't know they were doing that. You can't say that. Mm. You're 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 taken to know. Mm. There's a, there's what they call constructive knowledge. The law says you should know, mm. and if you and if you and if you you got to take reasonable steps. So, just a few things. Because I run franchise business, and you know, we spend half our time on our compliance environment. Mm. 
Um, sounds like we're going back to the police force. Mm. <laughs> you know, where you're docking yep. guns and all that sort of stuff. You That's know, this, this is fascinating. I love this. This is not my normal discussion with startups. Um, this is totally different. But at the same time, it's using all the stuff that every other good, successful business is using. I'm very impressed. Coming up after the break, I want to talk to you about the concept or the, the, the tough one about fulfillment, and that is not only getting the product right, the uh, quality assurance, but also making sure it gets delivered to the right person at the right time and it uh, doesn't get thrown over a fence or thrown, you know, mm. thrown everywhere where all the animals are going to get. So st- stick with us. I'll talk to you after the break. Thanks very much. Okay, well, we're back now, and I want to I want to get into a little bit more sort of deeper detail. Um, I, I, the whole concept of quality assurance is really important to make sure that um, what the pet owner expects to get is he or she is actually getting, and more importantly, their pet's getting. Um, so, who builds the menu? In other words, you know, is it chicken and beef, or is it uh, you know kangaroo and carrots? I mean, who does that? <laughs> and how has it worked? Well, how, and uh, what's your thinking? Okay, so basically. Um when we first started the business and came across the raw diet, which is a bit of a, I suppose, a trend in the US and the UK at the moment. Um, I mean, for pets or just generally? Because, I mean, well, raw in, foods are for us as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm in general. It. But I suppose um, with the increase of um, uh, pets, you know, and what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, pets and their illnesses. Yeah, and illnesses and, you know, um, Basically, all these pets that are getting sick too early, I suppose, um, and oh, is that a phenomenon? Dying. Is it? That's yeah. well, that's yeah, that's a that's a big thing at the moment. That um, you know, pets back in the day, you know, pet food's only been around for about well, pet food as in in the bag has only been around for about a hundred years. You know, and dogs and cats have been around for a lot longer than that. So, what were we feeding before we went and bought a bag of kibble? Um, so that's essentially where it came from. So this raw food diet, um, which also reflects on humans as well. I suppose people are seeing their pets getting sick and they're looking and saying, well, why am I feeding this bag of who knows what's in it to my pet when I'm sitting down and having fresh food, you know, served raw or, you know, whatever it is. Um, can I give that to my pet? And, um, and you know, will they see health benefits because of it? So that's kind of where it's come from. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, with the US and the UK, obviously we always kind of follow their trend. Um, but so you're doing the research, yes. So the research with the raw food diet, with the research and whatnot, obviously, um, it's based around proteins, um, and offals and bones and all these things that essentially they would eat if they were in the wild. So the basis of it is that dogs, um, have obviously evolved from wolves um, and that their anatomy is still basically the same. So why would they eat any different? So that's essentially where it comes from. Um, And then trying to fit that into a modern day, you know, you're not going to go out and kill a pigeon yourself and give it to your cat. <laughs> so how do you Why are you pointing at Adam the- when you say it? Yeah. <laughs> well, what Adam I might. Done? I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's a bit crazy like that. So, um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of how we fit it into modern society, I suppose. So getting the meats and offals and breaking it down into the correct ratios um, that they need to have a balanced diet and then feeding So that's raw. your proposition. Your proposition is... It's a balanced diet of raw food mm-hmm. without any nasties in it. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, so, so in other words, we're not talking about any preservatives. No preservatives, no, natural, no otherwise. fillers, no chemicals. Right, okay. Just so, real food. So, so that's your proposition. Mm-hmm. No crap, just raw food mm-hmm. in the right proportions. Correct. Proteins and vegetable and fat. Yes. And yep. bone. Yep. And awful. And awful. Yeah. Okay, got it. So that's your proposition. Mm-hmm. How do you make sure that's the case every time? So when we get the food in, we basically get it fresh in each week. Um, so we have our offal coming in from out of the abattoirs up north, which is all human-grade offal. The chicken um, we get in that morning as well. Same with the beef and the roux, so it's completely fresh in. Um, so that comes in on the Monday and the early Tuesday morning. We then, obviously, as it comes through, we inspect it to make sure it's all up to standard, all up to quality. We then manufacture that day and it's shipped out the very next day. So because we don't use preservatives, there is a real short shelf life. And with offal in the food, it does want to start breaking the food down. But the whole thing is, is to make a fresh food without any preservatives. So mm. it's just got to be done essentially. So, I, okay, I, let's say I'm 
I mean, do you buy it? How big is a bag? Sorry. So we do all different sizes. So we feed like from a five kilo dog up to a 50 kilo dog and all individual serving sizes. And then we also do in bulk as well. So if a customer has multiple dogs, for instance, they could order 10, 20 kilos. And we have customers now that would order like, you know, 50 kilos. So where, where do I put it in the freezer? Where do I put it yeah. in my fridge? Yes, yeah, so you mm. split yep. it up into like daily portion sizes for your pet. If I you do. buy the bulk, Once I bought it. if you buy it in bulk, you do. Uh, if you buy the daily portion sizes, like for example, a 10 kilo dog would get seven 250 gram serves of food. So, you know, that's for, that's seven days worth. Yeah. So right. in the city here, it's probably our biggest um, prepackaged market yeah. for the convenience. So people get it delivered, they put it in their freezer and then they bring it out each day and they thaw it, put one in the bowl throw the container in the bin or send it back and we recycle it. But it's the convenience of that, which nearly is the same convenience as having a bag of biscuits. Okay, so I got it. So I, I understand your product. It sounds like it makes sense to me. Um, I understand the convenience bit, which is really important because, you know, people doing that, I do that meals and I get meals delivered myself. So, mm. you know, I mean, it's convenient. I just take it out of the freezer or heat it up or whatever. So that's good. That makes sense to me because you're actually taking sort of that um, time poor making mm. use of the time poor factor of all of us mm-hmm. about our pets but at the same time taking away the guilt we feel when we just throw them a biscuit mm. or yep. you know a bit of liver or something you know what we just bought um, I get uh, the fact that there's no preservatives you've got the health guide bit of it um, what a, how do I so I'm get on your website how do I know what my dog like I mean do you offer a menu to sort of say well my dog doesn't like uh, kangaroo it only likes chicken is, is yeah that- so we break it all down on the website um, so and, and this is the issue that we do have as well. Is there's, there's about five thousand different product variables and types that you can get. So you basically I, there's five thousand I can well, get in your different sizes and yeah. and different types. So we we basically stick to our chicken, beef, and kangaroo, yeah. and then we have four different mixes from that. So we have obviously you can buy plain meat, and then you can buy our basics range, which has meat and offal. Then into our essentials range, which has the the meat, the offal, and the veg, and then our deluxe range, which has the meat, offal, veg, and brown rice. So you have all these different categories. But basically, if you go onto the website, you can click in and you can click. You know, I have a ten kilo dog, for instance. Um, my dog likes chicken. Yep. Click into the next part. Yep. I want to have veggies and offal. Click, and then essentially you're good to go. So. And you make, but but you, you know that's not like customized for me because you're going to make those anyway. No, we, we only make it what's ordered. So we don't okay. make stock. Yeah, make so we make it, it all fresh every week. Okay. Um, custom. So that's that's our point of difference. And from what we've researched, um, nobody does what we do. So there's nobody that does a customizable meal to the weight of your pet. Wow. Um, a lot of our competitors sell it in a one kilo container. If you've got a five kilo dog that only eats 125 grams a day, the food generally goes bad by the time you finish the one kilo container. Totally. So we make it fresh. Um, we home deliver and, and suitable to your dog's weight or cat. or cat. And then all the other option that nobody else offers is that we can sell it in five kilo bags for the people that have got two Great Danes and you know they can, they can feed their Great Dane for $5 a day on a raw diet um, rather than, you know, Buying in prepackaged, it might cost them, I don't know, $8 okay, a day. Well, you just raised an important point, which I wanted to come to, is about price. So um, fresh food, it's raw food, it's packed by yourselves. It's not like, you know, buying but these canned foods are and mm. it's pretty full of preservatives and they can actually shelf lives longer. Mm. So, um, and, you know, they can charge a certain price, cheaper price, I would have thought, than you. How How is it your pricing so good? I mean, tell me, how, tell me about We've that. We've... Uh, well, Holly's ethics of the business when we started was not to price match other people, but what she thought was fair and affordable. She wanted people in, um, the, you know, the less uh, socioeconomic areas to be able to afford the food, as well as um, you know the people in the Sounds more wealthy. Sounds like good. I some people are going to eat it themselves. Yeah, well, it, it is a bit that, and you know, sometimes you turn up to some houses and you think, "Geez, it's so good that they're spending this money on their pets." But people love their pets. But we wanted achievable to everybody. It wasn't like it was a premium food that was only available to people with the budget to buy premium foods. So, um, you know, at four dollars ninety nine a kilo for a complete balance chicken diet, um, which is you know got everything in it that they need, so they don't need biscuits or anything else, uh, is very cheap. And well, can you just stop me there? Because I don't, I, I don't have a pet anymore. But what is what would it cost? You know, say if you were buying a can of Powell or something like that. Like, I'm not sure what a can of Powell is. A can of Powell is probably a couple of dollars, yeah, um, and I think it's about so what's it like 300 mil or something or 400 mil. So you know. Those foods are a little bit cheaper, but those foods are made of complete waste and aren't made of um, meat. They don't have real product in them. Uh, high quality kibbles, which um, are freeze and and, and um, air dried and things like, that, they're selling them for fifty dollars a kilo. 
So we're, you know, we're right down the bottom end. But a bag of biscuits at, at um, Coles is probably going to be sort of 4 to $5 a kilo, which we're right in the mix so as you're well. you're in the so, money. Yeah. Mm. Okay, that's we, good. We don't carry huge margins in our food, but we did set up that way. And it's all been volume. So our margins have got better with our volume. We've been able to get a bit. So you're making money out of it. Yeah. You're, there's a good margin. Yep. There's a good yep. margin. Okay. That, that's the most important thing. So I guess what you're tr- sort of bringing is uh, – you know, democratization for dogs. You're democratizing food prices and food product for dogs, for mm-hmm. animals, which yep. basically is you're doing that for the owners as well. Because as you say, owners love their animals mm. just like they love it the rest of the family. Yeah, mm. that's exactly Some, right. Sometimes more. And we've got yes. customers. <laughs> we've got hundreds of testimonials on our websites, uh, on our website and Facebook. But we've had customers that have had their dogs on steroid creams for two years for allergies. Um, after a month on our food, they've used no more creams and all the furs growing back. Uh, so we've had some really great results from people mm. using our food and just the how quick a change their dog or cat has on a raw diet over over you know a kibble or a yeah preserving well, what would what would a, a, like a scientist a bioscientist or a, a biologi- biologist or a or a vet or something like that say about the science of a raw food diet versus all the various other things that, that are out there i mean is there it's, any it's not the raw diet's not very well um vet <clears throat> approved yet Supported. it's changing we're mm-hmm. working with a couple of vets now that um that we, we're getting some testing done on our food the reason they like to uh, recommend kibble is because they know exactly what's in it like there's this much vitamin a this much vitamin b so that's why they like kibble um so they don't really vitamin pill yeah basically because yeah. they so if they're going to recommend something they want to know exactly what's in it the fact that it's got wheat and and things that dogs wouldn't eat um they don't seem to care as much about it but that is changing um we're like i said we're speaking to a few vets who if we can get the testing done they will start recommending our food as a whole diet so it's a bit of a changing trend as it is with humans and you know humans eating better food now than we've you know eaten before so it's not a hundred percent um vet approved but it is changing and that's mm. that's the hardest thing is that we sell the food to a customer. The customer tells their vet, oh, I'm feeding this raw diet. They go, oh, raw diet's not the way. You're better to feel, feed this uh, kibble that's in our showroom. Uh, and then we sort of lose a customer from that because they, you know, you listen to your vet over your, your dog food supplier. So yeah. that's the battle people, we have at the moment. What people are starting to realise, though, is that most vets aren't nutritionists. And that's where it comes comes in is that I, I was just saying this yesterday that I would trust my vet to operate on my pets um, but when it comes to nutrition, they're only, they only know what they're actually taught and that's not actually, nu- like, you know, nutritionally balanced. But you've got to get that feed. message out because the punter who owns the cat or the dog mm. is not a nutritionist either no. mm. and they don't know what you know mm. and they're not passionate like you are mm. and they're going to listen to their vet, as yeah, you say. Yeah, I mean, I, So that message has to get, and I think you have to get vets or other people to endorse what you're doing. Mm. And, mate, you might need to spring a little bit of magic vitamins over or something I mean, because that's all they're really saying mm. well, they're, they're saying I, I guess what the vets are saying is they're not saying oh we don't think it's right from deep raw food they're probably saying we're not sure if it's complete and whole mm. in other yes, words we're not sure right. if they're going to get absorbed vitamin blah blah yep. blah out of it so why don't if you buy the kibble yeah. they actually probably sprinkle it with a bit of vitamins everything it's all yeah, they, and, they add all the minerals because yeah. when they make kibble they cook the vitamins off and then they add them back in yeah, the, yeah. the proportions yeah. that they want them so whereas the way that we've you know, make it is that they get all their vitamins and minerals from the natural food itself. It's it's like you know, if you were to eat really terrible junk food all week, but then you go and have a vitamin tablet. That's essentially what. But you're getting into a really scientific discussion here, and um, you, you and you got to be careful because mm. the, the vet will be, be believed every day of the week mm. before yes. you. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just because you pay money to yeah. a vet, and you think, well, should I pay any money? He went to university. I, I yeah. better believe him. Mm. And I'm not saying you're wrong. And mm. I'm not saying, but I'd be good if you because you got to. It's like every new business, you know. Like if you're doing something different, you've got to change the the market's knowledge. Yes, yeah. you got to educate yeah. everyone. It's yeah. an education game. Yeah. And this part, one of the reasons you're on the show is. Mm. is to help educate people and people start you want to get people asking you the question yeah mm. and you need to start to build up the science and uh, the testimonials and yeah. professional testimonials and there's probably someone in America who's an evangelist for this sort of stuff who you can well you can become the evangelist for it you know like mm. you, you might do it at TEDx soon you know like uh, you know important mm. well it's serious because people will listen to this sort of stuff yeah. but you need some science and yeah. it, but it doesn't seem to matter at the moment. You're getting two tons of orders a week, and you can do yeah. fifteen. So I think it's a great, great business. I want to talk to you about the final. I mean, the product pricing you seem to have it nailed. Question is whether you can sort of take it to you know fifty tons a week or a thousand tons a week. That'll depend on where your brand sits 
in in terms of believability mm. and you know endorsement, and I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. Mm. Um, the the final question I want to ask you about is your logistics, the delivery piece, not the manufacturing bit, not the supply manufacture, but how do you get it to people's homes? Because um, I mean, like, I guess it's raw food. Um, it's got a shelf life. Last thing you want is someone to, from, you know, from somewhere just throwing it over the fence because I'm not home. Mm. Yeah, exactly how, how, right. how do you do that? So basically, we have a uh, logistics company that we use, and all the food gets delivered by refrigerated. Who are they? So they're called Tailored Logistics. Yeah. Um, so the guy we speak to, Brett, he's basically based in Canberra, and he has multiple sites all up and down the coast. So we get um, after our production day on the Tuesday. Does he warehouse for you as well? He does. So yep. he will he'll stock the food overnight for yep. us in in the in the vans and in the warehouses. Yep. So Tuesday afternoon, it will get picked up. It will then get delivered the following day on the Wednesday. All of our customers that are getting a delivery that day, they all get text and notified that the food is coming. And just before the courier arrives, he also sends a text saying the food's getting delivered. So everyone knows, you know, the food is on its way. And then it's all in a styrofoam box with ice packs all sealed yeah, up. Yeah, so like some of those meat delivery companies that mm. deliver meat. Yeah, it's not just in a cardboard box or anything yep. like that. And um, we also make sure that they take, you know, photos that they've dropped it at the door and, right. and everything like that. So just to make sure that... It's there. There's no yeah, question yeah. about and, it. And, Your food's and, been and, delivered. And, I mean, obviously, there's going to be times where it gets, you know, fucked up a bit. But <laughs> I mean, what, what what's the response? I mean, how has it been? I mean, have you yeah, got, so have you had major it's not perfect. As yeah. as Scott and I used to do the deliveries, yeah. you know, you always have a hundred percent guarantee because we're doing it ourselves and yeah. we're careful with the food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we do have opportunity. Well, not opportunities. We do have occasions now where you know boxes do get damaged or destroyed, and stolen. We've had we've had one case. Yep. Um, which is quite disappointing. But anyway, I'm stealing dog food. I don't know what they Where do they find out of the bloke who's sort yeah. of one of the, the TRG guys? Here. Yeah, we'll <laughs> get a few of the boys to come around. Yeah. Um, so with that now, we do have pretty good success rate. You know, it's probably a 98 99% success rate. And those ones that do get damaged, we basically we re- we replace them. So those our customers still have the food. They're not being, um, you know, missing out or anything like that. So they're still having customers a tough at the one. end of the um, day. Fulfillment, like that last mile, in all these businesses that are online, especially where people don't actually go to a shop to pick it up, they get it delivered. That, that last mile is, can always be a disappointment. It can actually hurt your brand. Mm. Um, yes. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's a big deal, but you can't make a courier do anything. I mean, couriers are going to sit around there waiting for the customer to arrive home. No. no. And that's what the franchise model is exciting because we go back to basically having people, Adam and myself, delivering the food. Mm. You know, like we used to um, pack an old lady's freezer for her. You know, we'd go that little bit further customer service-wise mm. to the point where if someone was, you know, going to stop buying our food because their dog had passed away, they'd ring us up and apologise. We didn't lose customers. Our retention was really high. Uh, when we added the, the logistics company in between us and the customer, it was very hard to track. Not hard to track, but it was very easy for them to stop buying the food and, and you know, your, our retention rate sort of went down having that logistics company in the middle. Um, there are, but Scott, there are, you know, oh, sorry to interrupt, but there are track and trace um, software around. So where you're the customer, apart from getting a, a text message, you can actually track where the courier is going. We do have that. It's just yeah, some it's coming in in about two like, weeks. Mm. Right. Apparently, I've been told, yeah. Because some people love that. Because yeah, they can see when the driver's on his way. Yeah. Instead of saying, oh, SMS, I'm coming in 15 minutes or something, like you can sort of see it's going to be delivered in four or five hours' yeah. time. Yep. Yeah. I mean, do because I, I think um, one of the big issues of all this, of the growth of online buying is really is coming down to fulfilment. A lot of the postal organisations are working on things like um, – well, in your case, they, they, Coles have a lot of um, service stations and a lot of service stations around Australia. And what they're starting to do is now putting in cold storage lockers mm. as servos so that, um, you know, you might use um, Australia Post to deliver to one of the Coles um, packing systems in the servo and you it's on your way home and you just stop and pick up and get your dog food on the way home mm. or cat food. Mm. Um, I don't want to keep talking about dogs and cats. <laughs> I mean, I'm a dog prefer, I'll be honest with you, but <laughs> cats are on my go. Um, but, but nonetheless, um, that's the, I guess at some stage when you get your tonnage really right up there, you'll probably start looking at all these alternatives in terms of where you store things and all. Because, you know, customers want, what are the five ways I can collect my stuff? I park my car in the city at... Um, the parking station, 
is there a, a, a cold storage place that you can deliver to? So when I go to get my car tonight, I can just go to the cold storage lock, open it up, put it in the back of my car and go home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you might say to the particular customer, and by the way, uh, if you become a customer, we'll give you an esky, put it in the back of your car. So you take it out of the locker, at the, at the uh, car park centre and put it straight into your esky, take it home. Um, you know, the, over time, you guys just got to keep your minds open to all the various fulfilment options that are going to be yeah. made to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where it comes down to having a very good logistics company, the one you're talking about by sound of it's pretty good, um, who are ahead of or abreast of all these delivery options. You go to Singapore, they're talking about autonomous um, vans now delivering stuff that you buy online that Singapore Post delivers for you and the autonomous van arrives at, uh, you know, on this corner of this street in the middle of Singapore and he's going to be there. It's going to be there, I should say, every day at 11.30 a.m. and uh, you get a text message saying that that's the case and you go down there and the van stops and there's lockers in it and you get there's a locker and the locker recognises your telephone and then um, you know, through Bluetooth, mm. through the pairing uh, mechanisms, and the locker just opens up, you take your shit out and close the locker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this stuff's happening in the world today. Mm. And it's going to come around driverless cars, autonomous vans, all using GPS systems. And uh, by the way, the data you get from that is ridiculous because you know people's behaviour and the habits. You know <laughs> that they're in the city at this time. They collect their uh, dog pet food at this particular time. They buy this type of food. They got this type of dog. Mm. They got uh, then you know because they got to register with you. Yeah. And when they register with you, take all the data, and you know they got three kids, and all of a sudden you build up this beautiful metrics and uh, information and data systems about someone, and all of a sudden Cole says to you, "Listen, we wouldn't mind tapping." into this uh, great information yeah. because um, these represent to us um, the average Australian family. Two kids, three dogs, live in Sefton, blah. Mm. You know what I mean? Interested in raw foods, health. Mm. We would like to sell them something healthy. Yeah. Not dog food in your case, but uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're going you're gonna to get some brilliant data over time and the data is going to come off not just the ordering but the, the, the pickup, the delivery. Where are people at a certain time? Mm. of day and what is their behaviour. So you're going to have the behaviour, you're going to know what they buy, who they are, their profile. What you want to know is where are they located because, you know, I also might want to tell them I'm I'm a Telstra and I might want to tell them because they've got a mobile phone, I might want to tell them, by the way, they're, they're picking something something up from, from the autonomous van and the autonomous van's parked outside Westfield and I might want to go to Westfield because I'm Telstra and say to Westfield, listen, I know that Adam goes and picks up his dog food from the autonomous van out in front of Westfield every Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock and also know that Adam's got uh, three kids and he just had a baby and why don't you're at Westfield and why don't your baby store, pram store, whatever it is, send him a message say we've got a special on nappies and prams today. Mm. So that data is going to be really important to you yep. and you've got to collect as much. as You said earlier about – getting information on where the hot spots are. Yep. Well, they might not give it to you, but over time you're going to have it. Yeah, mm. we are. Yeah, we're definitely You're going to have database. it. And that's so rich because that's an Australian family. Mm. Mm. That's like your Aussie family. Bola, can I ask you, is, is there anyone overseas, is there a model overseas doing this? Is uh, there any models doing this anywhere else? No, we've done, no. yeah, we've done some research. There are people that do home delivery of pet food, but again, not many people doing it customizable to the pet. And um, yeah, so we've we have not made fresh, yeah, and preservative free, and yeah. all that. No, no, okay, well, so this has potential then. So um, if it's if it succeeds, this has potential to be an exported um, mm. model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So very good. Um, you know, by the way, interestingly enough, in in some of the the bigger cities in Asia, <clears throat> and particularly in China, pets are a big business, huge business, massive business. People that have their pets in their in their apartments. And uh, it's nearly like uh, having a Louis Vuitton bag in some of these places. They have a Louis Vuitton dog. Yeah. Mm. You know, not quite, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, they look after their pets. They, they spoil them. Crazy. Mm. Yeah, totally crazy. So um, I could sort of see this thing taking off in a place like China or Singapore. Yeah. Um, because people there are very conscious of high quality food, particularly if it's an Australian idea. Yes. Yeah. And if somehow you could get Australian product to these places, you know, and you can put it in containers and all sorts of ways of getting it there fresh, reasonably fresh. Um, you know, I could see this as being a big business, exporting Australian quality to the Asian, more the more advanced Asian regions yep. where they do like look after their animals and pay a bit more money for, you know, for, for, for looking after the animals themselves and the children, etc. Okay, guys, always have – give everyone an opportunity to ask me one question. Um, what question would you like to ask? And uh, who's going to ask it? I'll ask the question. 
collaborative well, question. Great. We've all discussed that. You obviously got it ready. I can see it. So, <laughs> so we've we've had really good growth to date, and it's all been off our own back and our own money. Um, I guess our question would be. Are we smart to continue on the same path being that we're only two years old or are we at the point now where we start to look maybe for an investor to sort of leapfrog us up to that next level quicker um, or do we just continue to keep growing at you know, 20% a month for another year and, and, and then if you do think the investment path, like again, we don't know, you know, we've started a business without business people, you know, we're just <laughs> normal people and um, yeah, where do we go? How do we go about it sort of thing? Well, I think you're business people. Um, normal people are business but you're very good business people, let me tell you that now, just from the observations I've made so far. Um, if you're growing at 20% month, I don't think, and and, you, and if you can actually fund that yourselves yeah. out of your business, I wouldn't go talking to an investor. Okay. okay. Because I think if, if an investor put money in you, all of a sudden you could grow up 50% a, a month or a week, whatever. If they if they could sort of somehow put that on steroids, what you're currently doing, I think it's going to blow up. It's going to be hard to manage, and mm-hmm. it'd be different if you said, "Mark, I'm growing at you know two percent a month, and I'd like to grow." But twenty percent—that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's that's great growth. Yep. So I'd be sticking to my guns. Okay. Um, for me, someone like you should only do one round. I don't think you need investors. I think you just need a liquidity event. <clears throat> In other words. Um, get some money out of this for yourselves and you know, just yep. take a bit of money off the table. And so I would be building it up for that event as opposed to yeah. trying to take to investor now so I can make the business bigger. I just make the business bigger, just keep growing, 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 and then go and take some money off the table by getting an investor to give you some liquidity yep. for what you've, all the work you've done so far. Mm-hmm. And then just run it with that, indiv- that organisation. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's lots of good investors. Um, g- generally speaking, people need capital just to get their business to grow. Your mm-hmm. business is growing with your own capital and your own revenues. Yep. So you're in that sweet spot where you don't need to change. I think our investment was more um, looking at if we were to get investment was to probably buy and build a purpose build um, a factory. Um, five months into our lease in the place room, we're probably already outgrowing it. So that would be what if we did get investment. But again, it's probably something we could fund but ourselves but anyway. I, I, if you could, fu- if you can fund it yourself, equity is the most expensive form of debt. Yep. Mm. Okay. In the end. It's good to get if you can't get debt and you need the equity, you need the money. Mm-hmm. But if, if you can actually fund it yourselves, it's a far better outcome for you. Mm. Hang on to your asset for as long as possible. Yep. Mm. Hang on to it as long as possible and then work out what you need to do post that point. Now, if you're thinking about getting a bigger factory, if you're able to fund that yourselves through borrowing money or um, you know, just fund it yourselves through, through the business that you're doing now, I would rather do that over a six-month period than be trying to do it straight away by getting somebody to come in and take 20% of my business because okay. you're going to sell too cheap. That's my yep. feeling. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, got, you, you got it good. It's going good. Mm. Well done. Congratulations. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you. Thanks very much for coming in. That was great. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Welcome. secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.